Abraham Lincoln wed Mary Todd, he gave her a ring inscribed, Love is Eternal. But is it? Has love changed since the Civil War? We'll find out how coming of age in the Civil War differed from the modern world when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Looking for answers in real estate? We break it down for you. Each week, the Exeter Group explores how successful investors evaluate and acquire real estate to build their portfolio. From financing tips, tax and accounting strategies, and advice on how to control risk, the Exeter Group entertains and informs while divulging secrets used by the most successful investors. Tune in to the Exeter Group every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Studio A. Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street. But with free family learning programs, you can get the education you need. Call 1-877-FAMLIT-1 for information on free learning programs. 1-877-FAMLIT-1. Check it out, check it out. We're your GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, uh, pushing endlessly my new book, Did Lincoln Own Slaves? But talking today with Victoria Ott, Birmingham Southern College. Is it college or university, Victoria? Um, Liberal Arts College. Liberal Arts College, excellent. Of of Liberal Arts College in Birmingham, Alabama, Mm -hmm. uh, who has written a book called Confederate Daughters, Coming of Age in the Civil War. And we've been talking about some of the interesting uh, contrasts, uh, similarities and differences of the generation that came of age during the Civil War with young people today. And uh, let's bring up a central question. Uh, I was reading Time magazine not too long ago, not just because it mentioned my book. There's another plug. I keep <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank now God. I know what a great accomplishment that is. I, was, I cannot tell you how thrilled I was to see my name in Time magazine without having to shoot up a post office. <laughs> um, oh, it, it sounds bad. like a fascinating topic, too. No, it, it was a great deal of fun to write, and uh, I, I enjoyed doing it. Um, and, and it was also good to see National Magazine still discussing historical issues. It, it, uh, I was in great company with people like Alan Gelzo and William Lee Miller, oh. uh, whose books were mentioned in the same article, so that wow. was very nice. Um, but I was reading a different issue of Time magazine. Uh, it had an article about uh, about the science of love was the subject, and it argued, the author argued that uh, the attraction between men and women uh, was largely biological, and that romantic love, as as we know it in, in the 21st century and 20th century through popular culture, um, 
uh, it's not just a, a recent cultural construct, uh, but that the that attraction uh, in a physical sense is is hardwired into the human species. Um, so what I'm getting at, I guess, is, is a larger question. To what extent is uh, at least the courtship uh, ritual culturally constructed? Uh, to what extent w- did adolescent girls in the uh, 19th century in the, in the Civil War South behave in ways that we would find recognizable? Um, in what ways would they look at our behavior today and, and identify with it? Or, or would they look at much of our behavior today and find it just appalling and, and, and unacceptable? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I think two things. Um, there have been historians of, of women's history, especially the period of the early republic, thinking in particular Anya Jabor, um, written a book about uh, the Wirt family uh, in, in Virginia. And... Um, she found that, and others have found this too, that um, companionship and romantic affection uh, was what was guiding young women's choices in their suitors, uh, which is something very different from the colonial period where uh, young women were marrying uh, for reasons of the parental approval and, and more um, because of, of economic concerns and things like that. But they found that after uh, after the, the turn of the century that, that young women were making their choices based on whether or not they were really, they thought they could be companions with these men. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that they were making choices in suitors outside of their class group. Um, as Jabor found, uh, w- women's parents sort of approved of the pool of suitors, but then young women could choose within that pool uh, a man that, that they saw as a potential companion, somebody that they fell in love with. So I think in one way, they, young women, if they could come uh, forward in time and, and see what we do today in our uh, relationships, would understand that people are, are use attraction and romance is sort of the the spark that starts the relationship. But I think they might be a little shocked that women of a certain class group might be willing to marry outside of their their um, uh, economic group. But also, uh, they might be appalled by the fact that they are willing to marry men uh, whom their parents do not approve of, you know, and, and go off and elope in Las Vegas and things like that. <laughs> The, the parental approval certainly is not 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 required and and uh, any longer and is very much in uh, well it depends on my house uh, the girls can start dating when they're twenty one as far as I'm concerned <laughs> but I suspect uh, uh, views will have not carry that much weight when uh, uh, when when they decide they want to do that sort of right, thing right right um, well I, I think it's interesting I, the the time article seemed to suggest that. Uh, the, the the biological component was was dominant in a way that I found hard to, as a historian, hard to uh, reconcile. Right. Uh, people may have uh, always, uh, uh, as as physical beings, felt the same desires, but certainly uh, cultures constrained how people acted on them. Right. Uh, dramatically and. Uh, well, interestingly, the young women I studied, unlike older women who were maybe widowed or older single women when the war started, those um, beyond 18 in their early 20s, 
uh, that they felt a sense of urgency to marry and were willing to make choices that I don't know were based on uh, ideals of companionship and, and romantic attraction. The girls I studied, however, were willing to to wait and find that person that they fell in love with, uh, at least so they say in their letters. Their letters are full of so much romantic language and concern about, you know, what the young man is doing in the, the military camps, is he behaving himself, and, and that sort of thing. So I think that you're right, there is some cultural uh, context that we have to keep in mind when determining what brings couples together. Um, and age, too, matters, I think, at least in this situation. I remember, I'm not sure I can tie this in too much here, The uh, in Mary Chesnut's diary, the famous uh, novel-slash-diary from, from Dixie, the, uh, the courtship of, of uh, Sally Preston in General Hood, uh, which uh, goes on sort of a subtext throughout the book and uh, reflects perhaps, I, I, I guess she was one of the younger, uh, closer to, to your age group, mm-hmm. uh, and... and her willingness to consider this soldier who is increasingly wounded as the war goes on right. becomes sort of a, a metaphor for uh, all kinds of things within the Civil War South. Right. Um, certainly the, the, the women had fewer and fewer choices as the war went on. Sure. Well, you know, this is the thing. When we consider age um, as a factor, uh, excuse me, there are, uh, I think these young women were... Um, were lucky that 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 they didn't feel like there was any sort of urgency to marry. What bothered them was the lack of potential suitors in their communities. So you're absolutely right about that. But it did it did shift and change. Um, oftentimes, a young woman in a community would experience long periods where there are no male suitors around, or the ones that are around are evoking the exemption clauses uh, and they don't want anything to do with them, or so they say they don't want anything to do with them. Um, but uh, then a, a, a company or, or, or regiment might come through, uh, and then there are opportunities to strike up correspondences. Suddenly uh, it's raining men. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's right. And then also some of my young women were in Richmond, where, of course, there were lots of men there serving the Confederate cause, whether they're doing uh, uh, political service or military service. And so they talk about that, the opportunities to strike up correspondences. That was really the thing they would – this is how relationships kind of changed during the war. Uh, Before the war, young women tended to rely on correspondences, but they also had – face-to-face visitations with their potential suitors. Uh, during the war, that was diminished, and so they relied even more on correspondences. And so w- they would try to c- come up with as many pen pals as they possibly could. Um, and they kept up writing letters with them uh, as long as they were willing to write them back. They would continue to keep that up. Someone, I, I've forgotten which scholar it was uh, was telling me uh, about this, maybe on the show even, about uh, letter writing. This was within the North, to uh, where uh, women w- would write to soldiers. Or soldiers would write basically saying, uh, you know, I'll marry whoever writes to me. Right. Uh, 
uh, and, and some marriages did actually result from this kind of thing. That's right. I've read an article about that. The, the name is escaping me, unfortunately. It was a uh, fantastic article. It was, yes. Um, did you and, come across anything like this? No. Um, what we see is that relationships are forming based on the correspondences, and there were opportunities every once in a while for these young men to come back. There's no... I know what you're talking about. There's, there's, uh, they're putting ads in newspapers saying, right. please write, and, uh, because they don't want to strike up relationships with southern women. They'd rather find a good northern gal. Um, and so that's, that's not the case. I mean, it, I never found any evidence to that, uh, uh, where they're putting ads in newspapers. And I looked through uh, several newspapers. But I think it's because... These young women in the Confederacy were, you know, the battlefront and the home front were, were mingling together. And so they had opportunities to see each other the, uh, and to strike up these, these correspondences. Um, also what was interesting is the content in the letter allowed young men and women to decide whether or not they wanted to actually pursue a relationship. And there were actually some engagements formed secretly from their parents, uh, and then broken without their parents even knowing what had happened. Hmm. Um, so there was, I think for these young women, uh, the, the close proxim- their close proximity to the war, um, coupled with the fact that they could uh, meet these young men and stri- strike up the com- correspondences, makes them different from what went on with the northern women. As I was reading these letters, when you mentioned the proximity of the battlefield to the uh uh, to the home front, uh, right. you, you see the phenomenon. And again, we mentioned uh, uh, Dr. Campbell's book that talks about this, uh, where the uh, where the Southern women are directly confronting Sherman's men uh, in in the Carolinas. The when I was reading the parts of your book about the uh, the social lives of, of the the girls, uh, they're they're likable. They're they again they remind me of my own daughters, uh, but when they're when they're mad at the Yankees, and, and, and uh, uh, not only mad at the Yankees, but at the end of the war, even mad at their own men who have failed them by not winning the war. Right. Um, when they carry on with, with unrelieved bitterness uh, through the war and after the war toward the enemy, whom they don't actually have to face, um, I, w- I was getting ready to, uh, you know, I, I, I would have called for a timeout. I would have sent these girls <laughs> to their room. I, I would have done something about this. Um, I guess I wouldn't if I would have been a Confederate father, but there's something to the argument that that, uh, the Confederate women keep the war flame going uh, long after it might otherwise have been uh, extinguished to the benefit of all. Right, and I think that that is something that historians of of women in the South and and also women in the North are um, examining that. Uh, You know, the whole question about did women... Uh, want the war to continue on. Uh, it was a question that was raised by uh, Drew Gilpin Faust in her book, Mothers of Invention. And since then we found, and I think Campbell uh, says this very well, that while they didn't feel that they grew frustrated with the war itself, that they didn't lose hope in the cause. And actually when they came in contact with uh, Union men, especially during that last stage of the war when um, they were experiencing uh, shortages of food and, and, of course, inflation and uh, 
just shortages of supplies in general. Uh, the hard war policy is, is, that was enacted, um, but that really kind of increased their uh, their uh, rancor toward the the uh, toward the not just the invading troops, but toward the Union effort in general. Well, Faust originally argued years ago that there was a, a you know a fail failure of Confederate nationalism. Right. And it seems like that argument is 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 weakening now. That, that uh, more people are, are stressing, as you point out, the uh, certainly on the home front, uh, there was an increased uh, bitterness and increased uh, willingness to fight. Right. Uh, among the civilians as the war continued. Right. I think it's also too relative when these when people are. It really has to, a lot to do with what the individual family or the person themselves is experiencing. Um, if they are seeing the uh, Union occupation in their communities, that certainly does a lot to increase their their uh, idea that the war should not that the war should continue on necessarily, but the, their um, support for the cause. And so, but then there are other people who, and some of my young women, are are saddened by the loss of brothers and fathers. And some of them are expressing not just ambivalence towards the war, but that they would like to one day see the family come back. And they want, again, that craving that sense of normalcy that's so important to uh, adolescent uh, girls and boys. Well, that, that desire for, for closure brings us to a, an appropriate place to close this, uh, too soon as always. Uh, but, Victoria, thank you for, for being on the show uh, with the flu. Uh, uh, well, this is my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you inviting me. And, and uh, I enjoyed your book. Uh, looking on the screen here, it says it's available in March 2008. Yes. Uh, I was lucky to see an early copy. Listeners, you'll want to take a look at Confederate Daughters Coming of Age During the Civil War by Victoria E. Ott. Victoria, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.